I want to say that I personally thank every one of you who stood as a soldier in this auditorium because I have the freedom to preach the word and to meet unhindered in this place. That's not true everywhere. So church family, if you love your freedom, thank a soldier. They've covered a lot of bases for us. And I praise God for all of you and for the sacrifice you and your family have paid for our freedom. Well, this morning, we're still in our series on the family. We talked to the men, and the men said, you've got to talk to the women to even this thing out. So we're going to talk to the women. <laughs> but we're going to talk to the men also, ladies. So you make sure they get the part that we talk to them about as well. We're talking about fashion models or fashioned models. We look at God's Word. Because the basic unit of our society is the family, I want you to understand that Satan has leveled his biggest cannons and his most fiery darts against the family. That's the last bulwark, it seems, that he wants to go after and destroy. He has a plan as to how he's going to do all of this. He wants to dethrone God. Did God make man or did man make God? Not only does he want to dethrone God, he wants to debase man. Is man a divine purpose or just a product of genetics? He wants to do away with it. He wants to deny laws based on God's commands. He wants to destroy the family. No moral stands or direction to stand in their way. I want to tell you that immorality is the greatest deterrent and destructive arch enemy of the family. Satan knows that. He wants to dominate the world. That's his desire. Our world that we live in, our churches, everything he wants to bring under his domination. That's who he is. And if you're a wife or a mother or both this morning, you live in and under a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. And Satan knows that. And he wants to use that. And so we're going to look at wives and mothers as we look at a mother in Proverbs 31. Little is said about her physical qualities. It's her character that is emphasized. But let me say something to you by way of putting this in order. In our nation, in 2016, we spent $89.3 billion in cosmetics. Quite a bit, isn't it? For some of us, it didn't help a bit. But we did that anyway. But there's a beauty treatment that's not found in a bottle. It's found in a book. The Bible. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. 
Because when we talk about the makeup of a person, we're not talking about the physical part. Ladies, I want you to know that your real, real beauty comes from being fashioned by the grace of God in His image. And I desire that we all know that today. Proverbs 31, verse 30 is where we're going to start. And then we're going to look at a passage in 1 Peter. But I want to ask you, would you be so gracious as to stand as I read aloud and you follow along Proverbs 31, 30 as we look at this proverbial mother. Verse 30 of chapter 31. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And then, over in 1 Peter 3, I want you to look at those verses, verses 3 through 5. Listen to them carefully. Beginning in verse 3, 1 Peter 3. Your adornment, this is to wives, to women, Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, just as was described, For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God and used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. God says, this is my will for your life. And I want you to listen to it. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I pray for husbands right now to understand clearly and to demonstrate what it means to love our wives as we love our own body. Father, we're not sure how to do that. And so I pray you would give us that understanding and grace to do so. Father, I also pray for wives And I pray, Father, that they would be intentionally loving and respecting their husbands. And I pray, Father, as a culture for both men and women in the world that we live in, it seems that we know so little about covenantal love. We don't understand it. We do not know that it is to be modeled in our life because it represents your love for believers. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to restore the purity of godly love in our lives and in our families. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. I want us to look at some things that God's Word says. 
And I pray that you'll write these on your outline so that you can have these with you. First of all, when we look at this woman, this proverbial wife from Proverbs 30, chapter 31, I want you to know some things about her. First of all, I want you to see that she was appreciated. Look at Proverbs 31, verse 10. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. I want you to notice the word jewels is used there and not diamonds. Because diamonds do not give off light, they reflect light. But jewels have an inner beauty of their own. And so God wants us to see that difference because this is the kind of woman that he's talking about in Proverbs 31. This woman is chosen as this godly woman who is hard to find because she has chosen godly principles for her life. No wonder she's appreciated. Proverbs 31 verse 28 says, Her children rise up and bless her, and her husband also, and he praises her. And he praises her. Do you appreciate your mother? If your mother is still living, have you told her you appreciate her? Let me ask you, have you ever in your life blessed your mother or your wife? I mean laid your hands on her and blessed her. You ever done that? God's Word says we're to do that. We're to bless them. That's what this woman did. She blessed them. Husbands, we don't praise them enough in public. We don't praise them enough in private. Probably most of us have never blessed our wives as God has told us to do. This woman was appreciated. Now let me say something to young men in this room or middle age, whatever the age is that is interested in getting married. Now you listen. The rest of you can just listen, but I want you to really listen if you fall into this category. I want to give you some real advice. If you follow this, this will save you a whole lot of headaches. Here is what you are not to say to that young lady or middle-aged lady, whoever it may be, that you want to marry. This is what you're not to say. When you go to her and you say, I love you and I want to marry you, but I want you to know some things. I want you to know, first of all, that when I marry you, you'll be working about 60 hours a week. You're only going to get paid for the 40 that you work outside of the house. The other 60, there's no pay for it. And if we have children, I want you to know that you will be washing 150 cubic feet of dirty dishes every month. I want you to understand also that if you wash clothes for all of this family, there will be enough if laid end to end to cover 47 miles. And let me tell you something else. 
if you were paid for what you do around the house, it would probably be between one hundred and seventy and one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year. But remember, you're not going to get paid. Now, men, don't say that to her before you marry her. That's the best advice you're going to get for a while. Don't say that at all. I heard about a little boy who was going through his mother and daddy's well, uh, wedding album. And he looked and he saw his daddy when he was a young, lot younger man. And he saw his mother when, we was, when she was a lot younger woman. And he said to his daddy, who was close to him, he said, Daddy, is that when mother came to work for us? <laughs> mm. Well, I don't know if that was real or not, but women and wives work. I want you to know that. It's a job full of frustrations and challengings. And husbands, we are to honor our wives. We're to cherish her. That word cherish means that we find intrinsic value in her. Husbands learn to appreciate more than her physical body. Let me tell you something. If you only appreciate her physical body, and you talk about that for a while, after a while, she's going to get intimidated by that. Because she knows, and you know, Father Time and Mother Nature is going to work on both of you. Don't you just talk about that all the time. She'll feel intimidated about that. Listen, sir, no matter how nice you look right now, one of these days you're going to be bald and bulging. And she's going to be flabby and 50 right along with you. You learn to appreciate other things in her life. Dorothy Baruch wrote, We need love, speaking of women. We need love in good measure. We need to feel that we are wanted and belonged. We need to feel that we are capable of adequate achievement so we can meet life's demands. We need to recognize, be recognized for what we achieve. We need to feel accepted and understood. And finally, we need to feel worthwhile. Men, that's to us. Let me tell you a second thing about this proverbial mother. This wife was accepted, this wife and mother. She was accepted. Look at Proverbs 31, verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Her husband is saying, we're in this thing together. She's helping me. I'm helping her. 1 Peter 3, verse 7 says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman. And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Man, if you don't get this right, your prayers are going to be hindered. That's what God is saying. She's your equal partner. She's God's gift to you. She partakes in salvation equally as you do, if both of you are saved. That's what she's saying. That's what God's Word is saying. We're to accept our spouses like they are. And from that comes confidence and trust, as he said, from accepting his spouse that way. You won't be married but a few hours, 
until you begin to find out that there are some faults and some flaws in the person you married. And they're finding out the same thing at the same time. We are to accept our mates as they are. And we are to discover that they are placed in our life by God for a purpose. Proverbs 31.11 is saying, she will enrich her husband's life. She'll give him what is needed. He can trust her financially. He can trust her judgment of her decisions. She's God's gift to him. She needs acceptance from us, from her husband. Husbands, your wife, who is constantly late, is enriching your life. God's using her to teach you patience. Wives, your husband is heavenly sandpaper to smooth out some of the things in your life. God has given you to each other. My heart trusts her is what this man is saying. It's what God wants to do. A perfect husband is a husband who does not expect a perfect wife. And a perfect wife is a wife who does not expect a perfect husband. That's what we're supposed to be. It's acceptance as who we are. Our wives are dying on the inside for acceptance in most of our families. 1 Peter 3, 7 says your wife is to be accepted. She's to be given honor as someone who's physically weaker than you are. Now, let me explain that. Intellectually, artistically, emotionally, verbally, she's miles ahead of you, sir. But we are to treat her as weaker physically. You help your wife be feminine, sir. Don't try to make a man out of her. God didn't intend for her to be. You love her. You help her around the house. Let me give you a third thing about this wife that I see in this Proverbs. This wife was under authority. She was under authority. Now I know your hackles are going to go up a little bit because I know what generation you're coming from. But I want you to listen carefully what God says. Psalms 31 verse 32 says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. That word known... Your husband is known among the elders. You know what that means? Let me tell you what that word known means. It means he's respected. You know why he's respected? Because he is under the authority of God Almighty. Because he is under the authority of God Almighty, he's accepted and respected for the position that he's in there at the gates, a place of prominence. But let me tell you more about this. Because her husband was under God's authority, this woman would come and could come under her husband's authority. Now listen carefully to me about what I'm going to say. God's Word tells us, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Ephesians 5.22. Ephesians, or 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, 
And God is the head of Christ. Now understand, authority doesn't mean you're a doormat. It's what the world's trying to make you think. It doesn't mean you're a doormat. It doesn't mean that wives are not equal to their husband. That's not what that's saying. The theology of the Godhead is explained in those passages of Scripture probably clearer than anywhere else in the Bible. Listen to this again. The theology in this, in 1 Corinthians 11, it says that Jesus Christ, is, who is co-equal and co-eternal with God, the Father, is supposed to submit to the Father. That doesn't mean he's any less. That's the place that God intended for him to be. And he is to submit to the Father, and we know that he does. All through the Word we see that. Then he goes on to say about this, that the man is supposed to be subjected to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say that the woman is to be under the authority of her husband. I know that doesn't fly good in this, in this time that we live in and right now. But let me tell you something. You need to understand that being in that place, subjected to God's authority over you, is a place of safety. It's a place where God wants to put you to protect you. And men who have a wife that does not accept and respect that from God's word that we've just read probably has a husband that is not under the authority of God. Listen to me carefully. When you get under the authority of God, it'll be a delight and a pleasure for your wife to get under your authority. You need to understand that. This is for your protection. This woman was a helpmeet, a completer, not a competer. She was in that place God wanted her to be, and her husband wanted her to be, and she wanted to be. She accomplishes so much, this woman does, Proverbs 31, because she is obedient to God's detailed and defined order of authority. That's the reason. This wife was under the authority of her husband, and it brought joy and peace and safety to her life. Wives, that's God's plan for your life. Number four that I see about this woman that I want you to see this wife was under this or this wife had a great attitude. I like this. We're talking about inner beauty here, Proverbs 31. Her beauty is her character. And I want you to see how that plays out in her life. Because it's so important. We can see it today even. Proverbs 31, verse 25 says, Strength and dignity are her clothing. Proverbs 31, verse 26 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Do you see her attitude? You can hear it there. She's not afraid of what is coming. She has an inner strength in her life. She has dignity. That means elevation of character, intrinsic worth, excellence about her. She knew she had that. She saw it from her family, from her husband, and she knew it in her obedience to God. That's her attitude. Her home was a place of godly instruction. 
She was a wise woman. That's who she was. You see this attitude in her life. Proverbs 14.1 says, The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. When you were in the presence of this lady in Proverbs 31, there was a quality about her and about her presence that caught attention. She had an attitude that was quiet and calm and a gentle strength in her life. That's the kind of person. And that attitude was exhibited in her faith as well. She was not afraid of the future because she knew who was in the future. She spent time with the Lord. That's the attitude of verse 25. She passed it on to her children. She taught wisdom, the wisdom of self-worth. She had a servant's heart and she taught that. She taught them the wisdom of work. She had skilled hands, we're told. She taught them the wisdom of financial management. She had wisdom in the clothing that her children and her family wore. She was a pleasant woman to be around. She had a gentle and a quiet spirit. Husbands and wives, I want to tell you something. All of us are like tubes of toothpaste. Whenever we get squeezed, what's on the inside of us comes out. Did you know that? And when you're squeezed hard and I'm squeezed hard, you've got to be careful. You know what's going to come out. Not with this woman. She passed this on to her family. Let me give you the fifth thing about her. This wife was affectionate. Proverbs 31, verse 26, the last part says, And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. You can't be kind if you're not affectionate. This wife was available to be kind. Her language was regulated by kindness. Men, (laughs) I want to tell you, we have to take time and make time to be kind, don't we? Because it's hard for us to do that if we'll just be truthful today. Our children need that. They need to see it in us as well as seeing it in their mother. Let me ask you, are you as kind to your spouse as you are to your best friend at work? Don't answer that out loud. We probably know the answer, don't we, already? We know the answer. Your wife, sir, needs to have a kind friend. One who is available, affectionate, kind, listening, Amanda Platt wrote, you've read this before probably, especially you women may have. Here's what she said. Someone asked me to tell the time our friendship stopped and our love began. Oh, my darling, that's the secret. It never stopped. We were friends the whole time, as well as husband and wife and lovers. Kindness, Friendship and love are to be a part of the same package. All of it. First Peter 3, 8 says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. 
Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. You remember courteous? I told you last week was love in the little things. Love in the little things. This is the affectionate that we're talking about. It goes beyond physical love. To feel with a person, to be able to say, I understand your pain. I love you as my brother, my sister in Christ. When you hurt, I hurt. Men, we're to love our wives as we love our own bodies. You heard that earlier this morning. This kind of affection includes courtesy. Wives, husbands, we're to be polite to each other. We're to be best friends with each other. There's power in that kind of character. Wives, let me close with this. What does your husband need from you? What does your husband need from you as his wife? Let me give you the first one. He needs respect. Ephesians 5.33, Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. She respects her husband. He needs to know that you hold him in high regard. Not perfection, not powerful, but that you respect him because of who you are and because of what God's told you to do. Don't put your husband down in front of other people, ladies, wives. You listen to that joke for the 200th time without interrupting that your husband is telling. He needs that. He needs that. Let me tell you something. In 55 years of marriage, my wife has never put me down in front of other people. Never. I praise God for that wife. Praise God for that. Can't. How can I respect my husband? He has hurt me so much. And I know some of you could say that. Let me say to you, write down on a piece of paper what you can respect. And then give the rest to God. Just give the rest to God. Let me tell you a second thing your husband needs. He needs your encouragement. He needs your encouragement. It's unbelievable how wives can encourage us. Proverbs 31, 11 says, The heart of her husband trusts her. He trusts her. Wives, understand and support your husbands. I'm unable to fully describe to you what kind of support my wife has been to me. I can just give you a peep in the past when there was a time, one of the most difficult times in my life and in my ministry, And I remember I felt like I had blown it all. I remember how difficult it was. I felt a failure. I felt I was done, that there was no more I could do. And I remember my wife said to me, Kent, God called you to preach, and we're going to make it through. And we're going to make it through. And we did. The best days came after that. But oh my goodness, what a blessing to have a wife that would do that. Because of that word of encouragement at the right time, I could keep going. A wife named Sophia encouraged her husband. 
When he came home one day after being fired from his job, he said, I'm a failure, I'm done, I can't even keep a job. She, she surprised him with her response of joy. She said, wow, that's wonderful. Now you can write your book. Her husband says, that's great, Sophia, but what are we going to live off of while I'm writing that book? And she went to a place in her kitchen where she had been squirreling back some money that had been given her for household care and expenses. And there was enough money to live off of until her husband, Nathaniel Hawthorne, wrote that unbelievable classic, The Scarlet Letter. She cheered him on. Why is you to do that with your husband? We need encouragement. Let me give you another need. We need your attention. We need your attention. Ephesians 5, verse 33, from the Amplified. Listen carefully. Let the wife see that she defers to him, her husband, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. So many times, early in a marriage, it begins to be filled with all the things that we have to do. And after a while, we quit giving attention to each other something that we need. We do that. We don't work on our marriage. And if we don't work on our marriage, our marriage won't work. We need to give attention to each other. We need to spend time for that. Standing outside their Houston home. Jeannie Sims kissed her husband off to work about 10 p.m. As she walked back to the house, she heard three shots. Running back outside, she collapsed on the ground beside her husband and cradled his head until he died just a few minutes earlier. Some months later, Jeannie wrote, and here's what she said. What do I miss most? A thousand things. After 35 years together, I miss his warmth and his gentleness, the place I had in his arms. I miss holding hands with him in worship services. I missed hearing him say, My pretty, precious one, I love you. I miss the pages of love notes that he gave to me so he could say I love you while I was busy at work. I missed his playfulness, his willingness to entertain on a whim and to get a hamburger at three in the morning. I miss sitting for hours in the middle of the day, talking, laughing, playing, sharing. I miss preparing his favorite meal. I missed his slightly off-key rendition of Jeannie with a light brown hair. Whatever it is that we would miss if our spouse were to be taken from us today, we should not miss everyday love. Don't miss that at all. 
and affirmation and encouragement. Jeannie admonishes wives who still have their spouses. Lavish him with praise and gratitude. When he does something for you, even if it's nothing special, because believe me, it is special. That's what she says. Well, let me give you some life application. Make a statement there. We're pretty biblical sophisticated as Southern Baptists, or at least we think we are. But at the same time, we struggle taking the principles of God's Word and putting them into practice, practical practice. I want you to be able to put this into practice. Wives, I want to say to you, the power of your commitment, your commitment to God and your commitment to your husband will change his life. I've seen it happen. I know it can happen. And then wives, your character can melt his heart. It can absolutely melt his heart. You can do that. You can have that great, great impact on your husband if you'll do that. Let me just say to you as we get ready to have an invitation, wives, God's called you to this place. And once you begin to obey God, you will find this joy comes with that. Not what the world says, but what God says. That's what I want you to know. And wives, you have so much that you can make such a difference in your husband's wives if you will begin to obey God and his plan for your marriage. And husbands, I say to you again, to me again, get under the authority of God so your wife will not hesitate to come under your authority. It's just pretty simple when we do it, if you will do it. Let me ask you to stand this morning. It may be as a wife or a husband here, you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never asked Him to save you. You come to church, you know a little bit about it, but you don't know Him. I want to ask you this morning, would you just say, God, I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. And I'm asking you to save me. I know I need that to be the wife or the husband that I'm supposed to be. Would you do that? What a better time to do than there could be than this. Husbands, I say that to you. It's a time to get our lives right. We need it in the days that we live. Sir, would you say yes, Lord? Would you save me? And as we sing, would you obey God in whatever area he's working in your life? As we sing, would you come?